Good evening. Today is December 25th, 2023. We are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week is step four, and our speaker tonight is Krista. Thank you, Krista. Hey, everybody. My name is Krista F., and I am a very grateful recover compulsive overeater living in the state of Georgia. So let's just get that out of the way right off the bat. I'm Southern. I sound Southern. I have an accent. Hear it, feel it, all the things. Uh, I live on a 600 acre cattle farm, and uh, I'm a nurse, and I'm working during the week, and I raise cows and sell beef and chickens and all those other things when I'm not at work. So um, really grateful for my life and really grateful to be here with you and to be asked. And I'll tell you the truth. Like, I just pray, I'll just kind of like to say, God, more of you, less of me, more of you, less of me. And I just want this to be his message, like whatever he wants it to be. And when Ian asked me, I said, um, are, you know, I don't have a lot of abstinence and do you need to like have a group conscience with your people? Because I don't really know what your rules are. And he's like, I want you to share. And I said, okay, I will share. And I'm happy to share. And I know that anytime anyone reaches out, I want to uh, always give back in gratitude. So I will tell you right off, I didn't come into OA until 2021. And I didn't get to what I consider entire abstinence in the way that I have it today in a true surrendered state of recovery in a relationship with God until August the 6th of this year. And uh, I have truly had a um, a spiritual experience in the 12 steps of OA in a way that I have never had them before in any other uh, fellowship and with having been through them um, quite a few times over the years. Um, what I what I thought when I was praying, um, I would just kind of give you a little bit of backstory about me and I'll sort of morph it into step four and what step four means to me. Um you know what? I was like, I am not, my story is not um, one where I look back and I I didn't have problems with weight growing up as a child. Um, it, food wasn't something that I recognized as a problem until much later on. Now that I'm abstinent and I have been around here for a little while, I can look back in my life and see pictures. I can see my weight just blow up and then come down. I was constantly dieting, but I never saw food as a problem. And I think that, um, you know, I want to respect primary purpose, uh, uh, singleness of purpose, but I want to say that I, I am in another fellowship and I have recovery in, in another fellowship. And I think that the, the disease and the way that it manifests it itself in my life for those years was so um, annihilating that it hid the fact that I had a food problem because these were seemingly much bigger deals that were going on. So um, I think that I didn't know I had a food problem and then I and, until I knew. So that's kind of how it was. But one thing that I do really see strongly is that even though I was in a normal size body most, most of my life growing up as a child and a teen, um, it was extremely important that people thought I was pretty people looked when I came into a room and I had developed, I married my um, husband that I met in ninth grade and all through our marriage, it was very important 
that I was affirmed for the way I looked physically. Even I have some sexual abuse in my story and there are others of us in the family and some were chosen for lack of a better word and some weren't. And I even in my warped state of association with the way that I looked, I even associated that the reason that I was a victim of that was because I I thought I was pretty on the outside only. And I felt like I was always hiding. I felt like I had to have this out here because if you really knew me, you wouldn't love me. And so I was always um, really, really concerned about that. So I didn't really know a lot of that until I got here. Um, what happened is my I, I got sober in another fellowship um, and I began to work this program and see myself differently and recover and restore relationships and grow. And there was a ton of wreckage in my life and in my marriage. And there was constant rebuilding and this reconstruction period. And um, I was 15 months sober and my husband that I talked about briefly before had a massive heart attack and died. And, um, my kids were 10 and 13. He died at home with us and I did CPR and it was the whole, everything you can imagine it was. And, um, what happened is I didn't know it for about three years or more, um, until I started to wake up in the middle of the night and I would have eaten so much that I was vomiting in my sleep. And, um, I had gained a, a, a large amount of weight. And I had been over 250 pounds and I had lost back down and now I was going back over 250 pounds again. And, and I'm, I had a friend in AA who was in OA and I knew it because she had shared with me, thank God. And that is like what I feel like my purpose is not to, not to, um, I believe in attraction, not promotion, but I also believe I have to open my mouth and let people know what's going on with me. I don't have to worry so much about singleness of purpose that I'm not being true to myself in either fellowship, because if she hadn't opened her mouth and shared with me that there was a solution and that there was a big book based recovery program for people with problems with food, I would have never known. And so thank God that she did. And, um, and that's how I got here. So I had just begun in my grief and in my alone, in my loneliness and in raising now two teenagers on my own in early sobriety, I would have told you I would never have made it if I knew ahead. And that is the graciousness and the gentle, the gentleness of God, because I don't need to see tomorrow. I don't need to see next week. I would have, I would have crumbled under the weight of what I would, what I was about to face. But instead, the thought of picking up a drink or a drug never crossed my mind. And the fellowship of 12-step recovery, recovery just um, encircled me and carried me. And so now I have this experiential knowledge that there is nothing I can't face with God and the people in the fellowship. I know it firsthand. It's a hundred percent true. Um, so that brings me to coming into OA in 2021. And I was, I was really like, I did my red light, green light foods and, um, yellow light foods, whatever those are. And I, um, did the steps, but I didn't know when I started that that meant that I was, I didn't understand entire abstinence at all. So I'll shorten it up so I can kind of go into the topic. But um, 
I had periods of abstinence. I released 70 pounds that year into the next year. I went to the OA birthday in LA. I had a wonderful time. I was not in the middle in the way that I am in the middle now. I was not on meetings every day. I was not sponsoring. I was not sharing on meetings. I was just on the fringe listening to what you guys were doing. And um, and I had a traumatic pet death in February. And that seems really small in light of what's happened. But if you've ever been through traumatic grief for the rest of my life, it doesn't matter if I lose my keys or if I lose a job or if I lose a person. Grief is grief and it doesn't take much to trigger it for me. And um, I really had this like shattered connection between myself and my higher power. And what I know now is that in that abstinence season before, I didn't really have a solid relationship with my power. And and my sponsor then at the time kept saying, Krista, you have a step one problem. You have a step one problem. I know now that I did not have a step one problem. I had a step three problem. I was not turning my will and my life over to God's care. And now that I know that I'm so relieved because I can take it back to that place anytime I'm feeling um, wonky or off. So I have to kind of go a little bit back to step three before I share about my step four experience, because in truly being willing to not have my way anymore, which is how I think of step three is I don't have to have my way. I'm not a kid with my hands on my hips saying that's not fair. I, I now think there is a better way than mine. And when I can believe that and when I have truly surrendered, then I know that I have to keep close to him and perform his work well. So I can't even go into step four unless I am keeping close to him and performing his work well. And that now new power has flowed in. So that's all I need. Really moving forward is I need to keep close to him and perform his work well. And I need new power. And I need it every day, one day at a time, like not yesterday's power, but today's power. It's new for me every day if I keep close to him and perform his work. So I have a profound experience in step three where I truly am surrendered. I I want to be a worker among workers, a member among a fellowship. I don't have to be the best, do the best, know the most, have all the answers. And that was my life because that was what define my worthiness to me is and I had a huge career change after being a nurse for 20 plus years and even in recovery and working with the board of nursing I made a decision after COVID I was working bedside in COVID and um, in ICU and I decided to to not continue to jump through the hoops of the board of nursing anymore so I stayed in my in my hospice role, but in a completely non-clinical role. Well, that was a huge identity crisis for me. It really was. So I had to let go of ego associated with being an RN, and I didn't even know I had that. And so that's where it really became, I can just be one of many, like, just be of service, Krista, just show up and do God's work. It doesn't matter where I am or who I'm with. And so um, going with that true surrender into a step four, in step four, it starts, one of the things I love is all the places in the big, big book that I didn't know in those first months in OA that I couldn't stay absent. Is there are all these places that use the word permanent permanent recovery, permanent recovery that, that, you know, I didn't really grasp or believe that for me, 
that I could have permanent abstinence, that I could not just struggle and go back and, and forth. In in another fellowship that I'm in, it's it's unlikely that people who are still active in their disease will routinely show up over and over and over and over to meetings. They don't come all the time. Sometimes they do, but most of the time, they the people who are there routinely over and over and over really want to be recovered. And it's different in this fellowship and the experience that I've had is that there is quite a bit of repeat that come in and that stay in the rooms without having entire permanent absence. So I really did think as a new person a couple of years ago that that was probably the best I could hope for. But I know that that is not the truth today. And I also know that a little bit is a lot and it's the same as one's too many and a thousand's never enough. And I don't want to keep playing around with that. And part of my surrender is like those foods that my disease will say, you know, that really wasn't one of your red light foods. And it's probably not an alcoholic food for you because there are foods that I don't eat anymore that I never binged on or overused. I just don't think they're good foods for me. And so I don't eat them. So my disease will say... You could probably totally have that. And the thing is that today I don't care. Before I would think about it, think about it. Maybe I could. I could probably have that. Oh, I never binged on that. Probably do this. And it would be this whole mental gymnastics where now I just go, oh, I probably maybe I could, but I don't care that much. It's not that important. It's not an event. It's just a means to an end. So um, I give that up. I see the fourth step not only as a path to permanent abstinence, um, because it says it's just dependent upon how strenuously I work this step. How can I look at if I'm fact finding about myself? So my permanent abstinence is dependent upon whether or not I treat this step strenuously. It also, I think of it also as a pain reliever. The fourth step for me is when I'm in agony and I'm in so much pain that I can't take it anymore. I do a fourth step because if I can find my part, I can have relief. If I can find my part in it, immediately I can have relief. Because once God shows me my part, I have the opportunity to change the outcome. But until then, I'm not. I'm stuck in pain. And I also see it as a vehicle. The fourth step is the vehicle that takes me to the things in myself that have been blocking me from God. So I do a fourth step to find my part, to look at my character defects, which are the things that block me from God, to move on. And it was funny because when Ian said to just a little while ago, it just dawned on me that you guys do a topic. And I was like, oh, I need to, I've never shared an OA in a meeting like this, the first time I've ever spoken. And, and so I was like, oh, I wonder what I'm supposed to talk about. I should message him. And so I did. And he said, oh, how it works step four. I'm like, oh, great. I'm glad we're doing this little small, easy step tonight that I get to talk about on my very first time ever speaking in OA. But, you know, it it's like made into this monumental step, this thing that we dread and we hear people share in meetings. Oh, my fourth step was 97 pages. And we do what we do because we have alcoholic minds, over compulsive overeater thinking where we overcomplicate. And we make a big deal out of it. And really, it's about making some lists. It's about making three lists, about looking at who I'm resentful at. It's about looking at who I've hurt. It's about looking at what I'm scared of. And that's the way I do it with people. I'm telling them, just make lists. 
just make a list. You don't have to write a novel, but we see it as the at these as this big thing. But really, it's really simple. It's about making three lists so that it's not about telling all my deep dark secrets and how bad of a person I am and all the things that I did in the past. Those things aren't important, but they're only important so that my defects of character will show up to my sponsor who will reflect them back to me so that I can take them and ask God to humbly remove them. And then I learn how to live and act differently than the way I lived and acted before. If I don't, I'm going to keep having the same behaviors. And one of the promises in the fourth step tells me that if I continue to harm people in the way that I harmed them before, I will continue to eat. It's a promise that if I don't thoroughly strenuously do it, then I will continue. Um, Step four is where we take this shift. We're not talking about food anymore, right? We launched out on a course of vigorous action. It, we're not ta- We're not writing about the food. We're writing about behavior patterns. We're writing about why do I do what I do? Why do I hurt people the way that I do? For me, I'll just share really vulnerably and honestly, my things always come back to a couple of things. I don't feel like you love me. I'm afraid that you won't. And ultimately, I don't feel safe and protected. I don't feel safe and protected. I'm scared that I'm not going to be safe and protected. And lo and behold, as I'm reading and I'm going through the steps again in this uh, this way, a new unblocked by food, thank God. And I get down into this 10th step, which I know we're talking about the fourth step, but the 10th step is a little bit like a fourth step. We just do it on a semi-daily basis. But it tells me that I feel as though I've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. Like the whole thing I've been wanting all along was to be safe and protected. And there it was the whole time. If I do my inventory and I clean myself up with God's help and I make an effort to use behaviors to live in peace and honesty and with integrity and loving kindness, I live in a position of being safe and protected. Um, When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. I have to remove the food though. And I've had people who called and said, my sponsor says, just keep going through the steps. Just keep, keep going through the steps and it'll get better. I don't know if this is a controversial thing or not, but for me, I know that I could not get through the steps and have a spiritual experience as long as I was not putting down the food. For me, I had to decide that I had the willingness. And like, there's this paradox. I know that I have a little less than two minutes, so I'll wrap up. There's like this paradox of, I want to put down the food, but I don't have the power to put down the food, but I can't get the power to put down the food until I put down the food. So it's it's a real crux of a situation. But what I do know is that putting down the food is the proper use of my will. And I do have enough willpower, self-willpower, to put it down for one day. And that one day connected with a sponsor in a meeting is enough for the grace to begin to shift that where it's not willpower. But I put down the food and God gives the power. It doesn't come the other way around. I wish it did. I would have been back a lot earlier but it doesn't, I have to put it down to get the power. Um, That's, I think that's about everything I wanted to share and I'm just about out of time. So um, thank you so much for uh, having me and um, Merry Christmas to those of you that celebrate this. Super glad to be here. 
Krista, thank you so much. I never would have known that you haven't, this is your first time speaking at No Way meeting. It's very authentic, very humble. Thank you so much for showing up for us. Okay, we will now open the meeting for questions or for, we decided you can have five minutes because we, it's a small meeting. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and the step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. And I will call the raised hands in the order as I see them. And you will be asked to unmute. Would our timekeeper please set a timer for five minutes for each share and announce when the time is up? Okay, so who would like to share first? I'll go ahead and jump in. Just I, I, I related so much to what you had to say. Um, I personally, most of the meetings I go to are all addiction meetings. We have foodies, alcoholics, Al-Anon, druggies, all in the same, all in the same boxes. And I love it because for some reason, and maybe it's just in my head, the food disease is a sissy disease, you know, but I've heard alcoholics say that that's a bitch of a disease. And so many alcoholics, people that have with addiction, and put that down, and then what comes up is the food. And stuff just keeps coming up, and so we get to keep working the steps, right? Um, I've, I've actually only worked the steps three times in my 40 years in OA. The first time was um, I dragged it out for two years. Uh, my fourth step was it was not the way the book laid it out. I wasn't guided to do it that way. So I got no relief and I was 23. I got no relief, but I was really gung-ho about my ninth step because I was afraid that if I didn't do my ninth step, God would punish me and I'd eat again. Cause it was the first time in my life that I had a reprieve. I got struck absent in my first meeting. It was the first time in my life that I had a reprieve from a very young age of the food. So I was just, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. I'll do it. And then many years later, I went through the steps again. And, and this group felt like you should go, go through the steps like your hair is on fire. And I did that. And I maintained abstinence and I'm still abstinent, but I didn't get emotional sobriety. And that's what I want today. I want emotional sobriety. So I went through the steps again. It was a seven month step study. Um, I went through the steps again and I finished in May. And I'm so thankful that this is the this fourth step that I did just showed me so much more. I, I've, I'm a I'm a codependent, you know that is underneath a lot of my stuff. And I was my life had I had my life had become unmanageable with my codependency, and God had shown me my codependency. And I know if I didn't deal with that, the food was next. And so this fourth step really showed me how I play all these different characters. I'm an actor and I play all these different characters because my core belief system is that I'm a piece of shit. And if you really knew me deep inside, you would want nothing to do with me 
I'm totally insignificant. I'm worthless. So for years, I kept trying to fix the outside, you know, be skinny. But it's funny because I would get skinny, but it never lasted because the how I felt about myself was horrible. And so I love what you said about the third step, because this last third step, I, I redefined my God. And I had an experience in my body where I was able to let go of that condemning, punishing God and look through the history of my life and now in all my years of OA, God still had me. I was I have a hard time with that unblocked from God. I I don't think I can do anything to keep myself from God loving me. My behaviors and my belief systems block me from realizing how much God adores me and will really take care of everything. Everything. So my last fourth step was so unbelievably powerful. And like you said, having a solid third step and saying, because it's hard to look at this stuff and what I've done to other people and, and, and not beat myself up. But the one question that I was asked after every resentment and every inventory I wrote was, could you have done it any, with where you were at that time, could you have done it any differently? And I couldn't have. I did the best I could. I'm an addict. Um, so I think that's all I have to share. I'm thankful. I, another absent at Christmas. I'm, I'm neutrality with food. I, I and it's a, a different kind of absence that I've that I ever had for all those other years. But if that's what I had all those other years was all I had, that was enough too. But now I now I have the emotional sobriety. Not all the time. I mean. More than ever. And it's through not leaving these rooms, being of service, and continually working the steps and looking at my stuff and holding the hand of a loving, loving higher power. So that's all I got. And Lisa, I want to jump in. Hey, everybody. My name is Lisa, and I am a compulsive overeater. Krista, what a great share. Thank you. Yeah, I would never have known that you, this is your first time sharing in OA. So articulate on the fourth step and and making it sound so simple. It's not, it isn't as complicated as we make it out to be. It's not this big, big block, big wall that we have to climb over. Um, I too, you know, I came into OA in, 20, in October of 2021 coming from from a uh, 33 years of sobriety in the other program and had, I, I couldn't understand how I why I couldn't apply these same steps with the food and then I realized I had just substituted the food I you know giving up the alcohol was no problem giving up the food and my my alcoholic foods had ha was another story I come you know, each I've gone out a couple times after seven months, I truly learned what it like, what the progression of the disease was, because I never went out and drank again. And I truly understood the compulsion, the twisted mindset that the, the doctor's opinion talks about. You know, I was at work. My food was in the break room. I went in and out of there bargaining, trying to decide. And I finally gave in saying I could have one bite. And I knew and then I saw the progression of the disease like I'd never saw it before. 
And <clears throat> I worked the, you know, the steps with my sponsor through the OA, um, OA 12 and 12, which I found very helpful. I've, I, I've done many other four steps before, but this really went into it deeper. I went through the steps on such a deeper level. Um, and then I went out after I went out one more time. The last time I went out was uh, eight and a half months ago. And what it was, I, I knew I had a third step problem also. <clears throat> I um, And I reworked the, the third step on such a deeper level and the trust that I have today with my higher power. And I had a loving sponsor who who's very patient with me. And um, then I was able to work the rest of the steps. I was free to do that. And, um, you know, step four is our path to abstinence. I like how you said that. It's our pain reliever. <laughs> and it is so true. Once we get rid of, you know, all the things that, you know, are up here that boggles us down. And, you know, to me today, you know, identifying our character defects in step four is so important because I... I'm a true believer. Any problem I have today is a step six and seven problem. It's one of my character defects that's activating, and, and I need to find out why. Why am I fearful? Why am I afraid? Um, <clears throat> I do want you to, if you would just send me in the in the chat, you know, you read from step set 10 about being safe and protected, where exactly that is, because I'd like to, to use that. Um, I'm going... You know, and I'm a big person, too. You know, you can't be on the outside looking in. You have to be on the inside. You know, um, we have the circle and triangle in AA. And I have a saying that you need to be in the middle of the circle and triangle, not on the outside looking in. Be on the inside and being involved. And when I came here, I came here, I had to become a beginner again. I had to get rid of all my knowledge. You know, yeah, I had a higher power. Yeah, I had all this experience. But I had to do these steps with OA and with my food and it took it to a whole nother level um my my abstinence is, isn't totally perfect but I don't binge I've maintained a 53 pound weight loss um and I keep coming back and I'm involved in service you know today you know there was a need and I I responded because I, I didn't have family around I'm staying in Panama right now and it's the, an unusual Christmas, but I'm not bogged down by all the things that go along with Christmas, all the traditions, all the baking, all the, you know, the family, all the stressors. I've had two Christmases now that I've been abstinent. And, um, you know, I look at today, my abstinence today, and it is a blessing. And I thank you once again for um, giving up your time today and, and being available for us. With that, I pass. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, who's next? I see all these beautiful women on these Hollywood squares. Christine, come on in. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> My, <laughs> I forgot, asked to. Okay. Can you unmute now? Can, thank you. Um, I am Christine. I'm a food addict and bulimic, um, and I haven't been to this meeting in a long time, and I'm grateful to be here. Um, Krista, I really loved your share. I related to a lot of things that you said, um, and um, for me, I um, this is my first Christmas abstinent. I've been abstinent for seven months. 
um, which is a miracle after 30 years of purging every single day. Um, and, um, you know, for me, you know, my story, I had tried away a couple years, well, 15 years ago, and I did it for five years and I didn't see recovery. And, you know, I just tried to get abstinent and it was like the one, two, three dance. Um, and I couldn't do it. And, you know, I'm a liar, so I couldn't be honest about not being able to do it. And so I didn't get recovery. And then I thought, oh, well, OA doesn't work for me. You know, so I've tried the thousand other things um, that didn't work for me either, but, um, you know, trying to fix, you know, my head. Um, and then uh, I had hired a professional coach like a year and a half ago. And I was like, I got to just be honest about this bulimia. And she was like, she was a recovered alcoholic. And she was like, um, I think you're, do you think you're addicted? Do you think you have addiction? And I was like, no, I'm not powerless. <laughs> you know. And she was like, all right, well, don't vomit between now and when I see you again in a week. And obviously I couldn't do it. And then, you know, she was the first one that she was like, you're really sick. Like, you know, and, um, and, you know, I can relate to your story. I'm a nurse practitioner, you know, I've been in healthcare for a really long mm -hmm. time. And, um, you know, I have dedicated my life to helping people and, um, and that when she said, I think you need inpatient, I was like, what? No. Um, I'm like, I'll go to OA. And so, you know, I gave it a really good try and I did hear things differently. And I was in some really strong meetings, but I could not get abstinent. Um, and, um, you know, I had like four episodes in a row because of all the damage I've done to my esophagus is that I aspirated and got chemical pneumonitis and was so ill and yet that wasn't enough to make me stop eating. And, you know, on the last episode, I was like, I, 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 you know, I think I'm an upbeat person, but like clearly you have some emotional problem if you've been vomiting every day for 30 years. And so um, I admitted my powerlessness and I did go to an inpatient uh, big book based program for food. And, you know, that had never been mentioned to me before, um, you know, and, you know, it, and it was really like, you know, uh, there's a time where the, the strongest desire, it says in the big book, you just can't, you know, it's not enough. And that there sometimes needs to be a definite hospital procedure to, you know, clear you of the cravings. And, you know, I didn't, I hadn't seen that as much in food. I see that a lot more in my profession in alcohol and drug and it's a lot more normalized and so um you know I went for 13 days and then I did the you know they were like you have to take off work um and you know you know work the program like your hair is on fire and so I did that and um have gone through the steps and I'm now sponsoring two people and um you know it's just every day is a miracle. And, you know, I just love the way you simplified, you know, the, the fourth step. Um, and, you know, I think really that's getting to the core of, you know, you know, feeling our pain, 
um, and being able to feel it so that it can be healed. And, you know, that to me is like, I know I'm just scratching the surface on that emotional sobriety um, of like, you know, how to live, you know, happy, joyous and free. Uh, it does not mean I don't have any problems, but it means I know how I have the skill set to feel my feelings. And, you know, I can have rigorous, honestly, honesty, and I can have complete abstinence, uh, entire abstinence. And for me, that has to be weighing and measuring. And I'm on a weighed and measured food plan because I'm also a volume addict. And, you know, if you give me an inch, I'm going to take a dozen. And, um, and so I have that food neutrality, um, which is a miracle. And, you know, I've also noticed over the holiday, you know, there was a couple of days that I didn't get to a meeting and, you know, I started noticing food a little bit more in the background. And so like that, you know, I, I didn't want to binge and, you know, but I was like, I was aware of it. And so, I had a taste of like, this is what happens when I'm not constantly growing along spiritual lines, when I'm not, you know, putting my uh, program first and doing a meeting when I might want to be doing other things. And so I'm just grateful. It's Christmas, e uh, Christmas evening and you guys are all here um, being honest and vulnerable. And I'm just gracious to spend this time with you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing, Christine. That was beautiful. I'm glad you're here. Okay. Who else would like to share? <laughs> 